Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Josh Carr Show. Today we will be talking about, it has been one year since Twitter was bought by Elon Musk, as well as of course a little bit later in the podcast we'll be talking about Mike Johnson as the new Speaker of the House. But really quick, I want to talk about the sponsor of this video, Gulag America. I am wearing one of my shirts today. Gulag America is a premium uh, apparel company for patriotic clothing. I'm going to put some images up right now. Right now, if you use my code JoshCar10, you will get 10% off, as always, at gulagamerica.com. As we head into the colder season, remember, even though I'm wearing a short sleeve right now, some of my favorite stuff that they have is the long sleeves and hoodies. They're very affordable. They have just awesome stuff on them, so please go check them out again at gulagamerica.com, as well as if you go to the affiliate program uh, in their main website, you will see there is Josh Car Show hoodies as well as short sleeves and long sleeves so definitely go check that out as well again if you use my code joshcar10 you will get 10% off at gulagamerica.com with that guys we're going to get into the news today i'm talking about x and i'm going to essentially for most of the podcast today debunk what the ap article had what the ap has come out in an article against elon musk and what's been going on at x and how just reactionary and and wrong it is like they literally are just sputtering out lies about what's going on at Twitter and today I'm going to be debunking it so uh, we'll do that for the beginning part of the podcast and at the very end of the podcast today we'll talk about Mike Johnson briefly but essentially Elon Musk bought Twitter one year ago today which is pretty crazy because that I mean it feels like that was like a few months ago only but in my review of kind of what's gone over the over the last year, it is crazy how much Twitter has changed. Obviously, it's undergone a name change. Um, we hear so much. The reason why I want to talk about it today is because we hear so much about Twitter and what's going on. And at least for me, not just in passing, but also it, at my other job and with friends and family, sometimes I hear oh, Elon Musk is just you know, really put Twitter into the ground. And and I always, I hear that and I'm like, what? Like, on what grounds? And, and you hear it from the media a lot too. Like, yeah, like, by what metric is he running it into the ground? And so it's fascinating to me that what I point, like when people, when I point to when people ask why I think the left is anti-free speech, this is the reason why. Um, this article from the AP that I'm going to read today and kind of debunk is the reason why I believe the left is anti-free speech. Almost every measure that the left hates, like every every single thing that Elon Musk does, the left hates, and it all comes back to free speech and what he's done with community notes through X, but also uh, just the way that he has cut out the middle management at Twitter in order for free speech to thrive. Uh, and that goes from just the random person tweeting whatever they want to letting Donald Trump back on Twitter or X. Um, But I guess I'm just, the reason why I'm debunking this article today is because I'm sick and tired of hearing X is such a bad company. X, you know, Elon Musk is running it into the ground. Uh, It's not, it's just not true. So the AP has decided to continue this lie and posted an article today about how Elon Musk has ruined everything. So I thought I would just read parts of it for you and explain why it's not true and debunk it. So the article starts like this. One year ago, billionaire and new owner Elon Musk walked into Twitter San Francisco headquarters with a white bathroom sink and a grin, fired its CEO and other top executives and began transforming the social media platform into what is now known as X. 
X looks and feels like Twitter, but the more time you spend on it, the clearer it becomes that it's merely an approximation. Musk, first off, this this sounds so, I'm using the voice I'm using because like, it sounds like a college student, maybe high school student wrote this piece and they were really trying to embellish it and make it sound like uh, they were writing for the Atlantic or something. It's just not work that I would expect from the AP. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, they continue by saying Musk has dismantled core features of what makes Twitter Twitter. And then they go through a list. And this is what I'm going to debunk right now. First off, and some of this is actually true, but they, they're painting it under a bad light, which is very ironic considering like this is what makes X actually great now. So the first thing they say, they dismantled the core features of what made Twitter Twitter. Its name and Bluebird logo. So first off, the AP is partly right by this. Like the Elon Musk totally dismantled this, and rightfully so. And the reason why is because you hear a lot of so you hear a lot of complaints about the name change. And look, even you know, like it's not necessarily people that hate Elon Musk that complain about the name change, but you think about what Elon Musk did, and you realize that he had to change the name because Elon Musk hated what the old Twitter was doing. Therefore, he needed to rebrand it. You can't keep it as Twitter if everyone knows Twitter. As, so like to conservatives, Twitter essentially means a porn site largely where free speech um, is infringed on if you're conservative. If you're a free, uh, a free speech absolutist, what Twitter means to you is just simply censorship. That's what you hear when you hear Twitter. You hear the left uses big tech in order to curb free speech. That's what goes into free speech absolutist heads and conservative heads, which honestly is a majority of the country. Maybe a small majority, but a majority nonetheless. X is something different. Now, the name X in itself, I'm not sure if I'm like entirely on board with that, but the rebrand is something that had to happen. There's just no way around it. Um, so moving on, the next thing they say is the verification system. That's the thing that is just torn X or Twitter apart. And on this point, I'm sh not sure if it is better for the consumer, admittedly, but what I hear from people talking about X and Elon Musk is that it's not a profitable company, that their profits are just going down and that it's just an awful place to be. But this is just like the amount of arrogance, I think this is what frustrates me when I hear people. I reject the idea that you have to be knowledgeable on a subject in order to have an opinion. So I'm not talking about that. You can, you can literally know nothing about it and still have an opinion. I don't believe that you have to be knowledgeable in order to share your opinion. Everyone has the right to share their opinion, but the amount of arrogance that you have to have as just a random person to be like, yeah, Elon Musk is making these awful business decisions when you don't own a business and Elon Musk is the richest person in the world is staggering just the amount of arrogance that that takes. Every social media company after Elon, so basically what I'm talking about right now is Elon Musk has rolled out this Verif new verification system where there are a few qualifications that you have to hit, but for the most part, it's just a subscription service. And what that means is that, and like what that gives you, I guess, is that you get that little blue badge and it means that your tweets tend to be favored over those who are not verified, right? And again, I'm not sure if this is better for the consumers. I think there are some arguments that it could be because it means people are more, that are more kind of committed to tweeting get priority. Um, but with that said, the reason why you know it's successful is every single other social media company has followed suit. Everyone else does it now. And if they haven't, they're not doing it now, they're planning on doing it. They're like actively making plans. 
Instagram, like Meta was the first people that copied it. And so what you hear is all these big tech executives that are making fun of Elon Musk. You hear the media making fun of Elon Musk. You hear random people making fun of Elon Musk. When in reality, all the other social media companies are like, oh, that's a really fantastic idea. We need to do that. So that's how you know right there that it works. They go on to say, the AP says, uh, it's trust and safety advisory group, not to mention content moderation and hate speech enforcement. And this gets to the heart of the issue, right? This is the core argument. Do you like community notes better or do you enjoy random middle management shutting down the tweets that they don't like? That's what it comes down to. I don't think there's, I think most people would agree that when you are in a public forum like Twitter or Facebook, that there needs to be some source of accountability for those who are disseminating false information uh, because false information is harmful. But the question then becomes, do you believe that that regulation comes through people who are anonymous just taking things down? Or do you believe that that comes through other people speaking up? And for people who understand the First Amendment and what John Stuart Mills talked about with the free marketplace of ideas, they would agree that community notes are much better than what Twitter was doing before. It stuns me, and it shows where the left is as well, that they would rather have middle management censor people kind of nebulously behind the scenes than have a community of people post underneath that post responding to why it's misinformation. Like it's actually much more detrimental. This is, this is what's interesting about it. It has nothing to do with truth because it's much more detrimental to disinformation dispellers when community notes are put under it than when it's just taken down. Because what happens when something's taken down, generally it exacerbates it greater. I mean, this is what happened on the right a ton, right? Things were taken down, the Babylon Bee was censored. And what happened? The right heard about it and they made a bigger deal about it. Not that the Babylon Bee was disseminating false information, but the left would like to say that they were. My point is that if you're actually wanting to take down false information, a community note is much more powerful. I'll give you just an example. You see Joe Biden touting his inflation numbers, talking about how I've decreased inflation more than any other president. Then right underneath that tweet, there's a community note that explains why Joe Biden just said a bold-faced lie and how inflation is compound and how he's not decreasing inflation at all, but it's actually been greater than in 40 years. What does Joe Biden then do? He has a choice. Let that community note stay and everyone gets to read both and be like, wow, not only is what Joe Biden just said not true, but he's also a liar. Or what Joe Biden has to do is take down the tweet. And it's much more effective having the person that put out the false information take down the tweet or the post than X or Twitter doing it themselves. So for that reason, I mean, I think most people on Twitter who are actively using it would agree that that is the greatest addition that Elon Musk has made to protect truth and allow people to share their ideas. Because if you want to share something that's false, you have every right to do it, but just understand that people who support the truth are going to post underneath it and make you look like an idiot. That's way more effective than just taking down their posts. At least I think so, and I think most people would agree with me. The AP continues by saying, he also fired, laid off, or lost the majority of its workforce. Engineers who keep the site running. Moderators who keep it from being overrun with hate. You, We can't have hate. Executives in charge of making rules and enforcing them. There, I just want to point this out. There's been no significant shutdown 
of X uh, or, or Twitter uh, in the time that Elon Musk has had it. What I mean by that is like, there's been no significant crash. The closest thing was when DeSantis announced his candidacy on Twitter. And that was admittedly not Elon Musk's best look, but I also think that they were in uncharted waters and that was the only time that's really happened. So essentially what they're saying is, it's so bad. They laid off 80% of their employees and the app works exactly the same, except not quite the same because now there's no executives to monitor enforcing rules and just make sure that people aren't saying whatever they want to say on Twitter. What those who are conservative, but also just logical and business minds are thinking is like, wait, he cut 80% of employment and the app still works the same. What were those 80% people doing? A lot of them were probably doing nothing, but I think the more, I think just thinking realistically, what they were doing was they were monitoring speech that they didn't enjoy. They literally say, moderators who keep it from being overrun with hate. Now, first off, hate is completely subjective. So I don't really know what that means. But if we really care about free speech, free speech is about hate. That's that's what it's about. People who speak hatefully need to be able to speak. And the reason why I say that is because when they speak, the rest of us who are normal hear that and we go, yeah, I don't like that. Like that's not my crowd. And they actually lose power because of it. And you know what? If they gain power because of it, that's life. That's how a democracy works. And it's unfortunate. Like, I, I don't really want hate for anybody. I don't really care. Like, even, you know, the most vile, like, progressive or leftist, like, I don't think they deserve hate. I think they deserve to speak their mind and say, and I think all of us ought to roast the crap out of them for their dumb ideas. But hate is too far. I don't believe in that. But at some point, you have to let those ideas get hashed out. And look, if someone says something hateful and it ends up being very untrue as a result, because oftentimes hateful things are very untrue, They'll get community noted. People will see that and they'll be like, yeah, this guy really isn't very credible. I don't really feel like listening to his opinion anymore. So just as a business standpoint and a social standpoint, hearing that 80% of the people were laid off and they are basically, again, from a business standpoint, Elon Musk is thinking, wow, I just saved a butt ton of money because 80% of the people just left and it didn't affect the site in a negative way at all. And then from a consumer standpoint, knowing, wow, all these people are gone from Twitter and it now means that I get to see what people are tweeting more openly than before, that is just a win-win situation. And it's very funny how the AP frames this as a big negative when in reality, it's, it's just not. We've all experienced when we realize, it, a like we've all realized in our lives, mostly at work, when a task is much harder with more people, like you, you go to work every day and work is hard and people bicker and, um, you know, it's just a contentious time. And, th and th that's how it is, especially when you're working in businesses. And we've all experienced when like something happens, like maybe everyone goes out of town or like there's a lot of people who get sick. And instead of there being maybe a team of like 50 people that you're used to working with, it cuts down to like 20. And all of a sudden you do the job like way easier than before. Everyone's experienced that. That's what happened at Twitter. They cut 80%. They realized, well, this is like way better without them. And the reason why is because they were mucking it up and making it the opposite of what it was supposed to be, which is this public forum where everyone can talk. The AP continues. This, this is a good one. This is by, uh, by an insider intelligence analyst, Jasmine Enberg, according to the AP. She says, Musk hasn't managed to make a single meaningful improvement 
to the platform and is no closer to his vision of an everything app than he was a year ago. Instead, X has driven away users, advertisers, and now it has lost its primary value proposition in the social media world, being a central hub for news. First off, that is just not true. Most people, if they're on Twitter, they are really happy to get their news from Twitter. There's a lot of good citizen journalism, but I have to really push back, and and this whole podcast has been a testament to this. This is what I'm really debunking today. What she says, she says, again, I'm gonna say it again, Musk hasn't managed to make a single meaningful improvement in the platform. Community notes, no crashes, cut 80% of employees. You can now FaceTime and call on Twitter. You can have reels on Twitter. You can now make money on Twitter. So now, I mean, and that's honestly the biggest one. Perhaps I'm biased in that as a creator, but now you have an incentive for creators to choose Twitter over any other app because not only do they know they won't be censored, but they can actually be like monetized through Twitter, not just through their own personal sponsorships. That is a huge improvement. So again, we're talking about one year. You've got community notes, you've got calling, FaceTiming, Reels, monetizing, a new verified uh, way, which obviously is so popular that other social media companies are, are copying it. We haven't seen change like this on Twitter ever, not even since the inception of the app. And they're saying there hasn't been anything. So the media is obviously full of crap. And this is what, it frustrates me so much how full of crap they are. This is a perfect example of choosing what you want to say before you investigate a story. Like I can I can hear it. And the reason why I know this is because I've worked in journalism. They're sitting in a pitch meeting and someone says, hey, we've got the, the year of Elon Musk coming up. We should look into how Twitter's changed over the years or over this past year with Elon Musk. And if, they're, if he's closer to achieving his vision and people are like, yeah, that's a great idea. You know, people talk about Twitter a lot. Great pitch. And I know that journalism, that journalist in their head thought to themselves, yeah, I hate Elon Musk. Uh, I already know he's done nothing. And so instead of actually looking for the real story and actually providing a service to the American people, the AP has decided that they would rather choose journalists that are just going to presuppose what they're going to write and then investigate and find what they want rather than looking for what is, looking for truth. The story goes on to say that usership is down. That's simply not true. The reason why that's not true is that one of the things, and you can add this to the list of things that Elon Musk has improved upon, is that Elon Musk in the first like three or four months really sought to cut down the bots on Twitter. If you're on Twitter now, you can almost be positive that the person you're talking to is a person. And the reason why is because they've set kind of these bot traps in Twitter. He did it a ton at the beginning, but now they kind of have reoccurring traps they send out to capture bots. And so that's a huge improvement. So they're talking about usership being down. Like 40% of Twitter was being used by bots before. And so they're saying usership is down by 15%. Actually, it's up by like 25% because they cut like half of the actual users on Twitter because they were just bots. My frustration with this piece again is, and the reason why I want to debunk it is not because I'm in love with Elon Musk or anything. It, like I like Elon Musk as a person. I'm glad that he bought Twitter because it's been a huge public service. And most, I mean, anyone who's even remotely familiar with finance knows that it was a rotten deal for him and that it was clearly not motivated through his financial passions. It was literally just like a social and a personal choice for him. So I do admire him for that, but it really doesn't come down to that. It comes down to truth. And when I am just scouring the news, as I do, I read the news and I look at this AP article and I'm like, this just could not be further from the truth. The media has this false reactionary cultish
behavior behind them where they have these people that they're diametrically opposed to because they cut against their bottom line. And instead of disseminating truth like they purport to do, they go against these people. They chose Elon Musk as their enemy, someone who threatens them with community notes. He can call them out on their BS. They still use Twitter, by the way, anyway. Like the AP will post something. It's just totally false. And now community notes will fight them on it. And they hate that. They hate that there's a place where citizen journalism can be just as effective as traditional journalism. And so, of course, they're going to fight that tooth and nail, especially as journalism is going through this kind of revolution and they're losing a lot of money and uh, they're trying to figure out how to monetize when you have Twitter, who is just so in opposition to you just naturally, of course, you're going to fight back. So as they react by fighting, they, they're reacting by these false hit pieces, um, but unfortunately, it only weakens their credibility as people see more and more uh, how debunkable their articles are. So that's my final word on X and Elon Musk. I'm a proud user of it. Go check it out. If you guys have kind of gotten off it in the last year or you haven't been on it, it's a fantastic place to get news. So I would definitely recommend. Now going to the last part of today's podcast, I do want to talk about Mike Johnson. And I might have, it might be a hot take. I don't know if people would necessarily disagree with me, but I guess the question is, my hot take is how is Mike Johnson speaker? And some of you might be asking that same question because I hadn't heard of, and I'm very involved in politics. Uh, I, I hadn't heard of Mike Johnson like ever in my life. And I'm guessing you haven't either. And so the question is, how did he become speaker? And I did some research on this and I've come to a conclusion, again, that could be a hot take, but maybe no one will disagree because they don't really know who Mike Johnson is in the first place. The answer to me is that he ran for it. So he personally chose to run for it. And because of his inexperience, which I'm sure you've heard about a lot because the media have really wanted to point that out. And, and I don't know what inexperience even means. Like he's been in Congress for the least amount of time. Okay, so what? But the answer is he ran for it. And because he's been in Congress for so little time, he hasn't pissed anybody off. Jim Jordan apparently pissed some people off. Obviously, like Byron Donald's people, I don't know. I don't really know if Byron Donald's pissed people off, but they weren't confident enough in him. Mike Johnson, on the other hand, is just a, a stout Christian conservative. He's just staunchly believes in what he believes, and he hasn't really done all that much. And he shows strength, just like rhetorically. He speaks well. But he's just inexperienced in a sense and uh, really doesn't have a lot going on and he ran for it and therefore he literally had a unanimous voting for him. And so this is what's weird about it. Like this is kind of a plus for him that he is inexperienced. Others just didn't have any negative opinions of him. And most Republicans, by the way, they recognize that the, despite me not being, I'm not upset about there being a speakership fight. I just wish people actually had a plan moving forward. But most Americans don't feel that way. They feel, and, and I think rightfully so, the Republicans feel that this is a display of weakness. I personally believe that it's a good thing because Republicans need to fight and hash things out. It shows that they're not a cult like the Democrats are. But no one was pissed off by Mike Johnson. And so most of the Republicans were like, yeah, we're kind of ready to like show that we're strong and just vote together. And since he was very conservative, they voted for him. You won't see Matt Gates questioning, like, if he, basically, like, you're not going to see Matt Gates questioning if he'll do certain things because he just hasn't done much. That's what you see with, uh, you know, Kevin McCarthy, obviously, 
the reason why Kevin McCarthy was ousted was because of what he was doing in those packages with Ukraine and working with Democrats. Mike Johnson hasn't done any of that. I think Matt Gates and Mike Johnson would probably agree on most of their politics anyway. But I'm saying other Democrat or other Republicans who might be more moderate, they don't really have anything to disagree with them on. I reject the notion, though, that it's because you're inexperienced, you can't do a great job and a new job. I think Mike, Mike Johnson will do great. I think he's very conservative. I'm very happy about that. Um, I think he'll stop the cash flow into foreign countries, especially Ukraine. And so overall, this turned well. The only way that this could have turned out way better, again, I think most Republicans will look at Mike Johnson and be like, yeah, Mike Johnson is a better choice than Kevin McCarthy because Kevin McCarthy is just a little too moderate. We want conservative stuff to get done. We need someone to kind of be that stopgate between a Democrat president and Senate. But the thing that they could have done better is like, why was Mike Johnson not the plan out the get go by Matt Gates? Why did Matt Gates oust Kevin McCarthy without a plan? Because if he had ousted him the next day, been like, by the way, Mike Johnson, awesome guy. No one's pissed by him. We should run him instead. And they had gotten it done in the first vote. I think everyone would have looked at that and history would have been like, nice. Republicans just made a more conservative speaker, you know, for them. But instead, they went through this stupid minutia of arguing without a plan for 22 days. And again, I'm fine with the arguing, but you got to argue with a plan. And Matt Gates had none. And so, again, you could have cut out 21 days of that argument and just had Mike Johnson been uh, Speaker of the House three weeks ago. But it is what it is. I'm happy he's Speaker now. I think he'll do a fantastic job. And that is the end of the podcast today, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. As always, if you got a little bit of value out of this video or other videos, go down, subscribe, as well as comment what you thought about my analysis and debunking of the AP article about X, or if you're happy that Mike Johnson is the Speaker of the House. Thanks, guys.